Sorry about that. But it's true. Somewhere, somewhere in here, it does say something about a chicken. Um, hi, guys. My name is Vanessa. For those of you who don't know me in the online crowd, I am I'm actually the uh, youth leader here at the Grace Place. And so the clip we just watched is from a movie that I love dearly called Fiddler on the Roof. Has anyone seen that here? Okay. Um, the online crowd, if you've seen it, let us know and tell us what your favorite song is. So this movie actually came out about 50 years ago. So as I talk, if I give any spoilers, I'm not feeling guilty because you've had plenty of time to watch it, all right? Um, but if you casually know me, this would make sense that this would be one of my favorite movies. But just to give you a little insight about the complexity of who I am, this movie is probably tied for my all-time favorite, along with another movie that came out about six months after this one. It's a little movie known as The Godfather. Who's seen that one? Don't be shy. The online crowd can't see you. But as I was thinking, like, why would these two movies be tied for my favorite? And as I thought, I thought, I realized they're the same movie. Now, I know some of you are thinking, like, have you actually watched these movies? <laughs> but, but listen, but listen. So The Godfather is about family, loyalty, and things not turning out the way that you planned them to. And that is exactly what Fiddler's about. Our lead character, Tevier, he's loves his family, and he gets into positions where he has to kind of battle his loyalty between himself and God. You know, are these things that are changing that he didn't plan the way they go, are they okay with him? And then there's just choices that have to be made. Now, Fiddler has told my life story since I was 12. Uh, I remember when I first watched this movie on October 31st, 1996. And I have to tell you, it was a tradition for many years after to actually watch it on Halloween. And so you can see it was that double VHS. That's how old I am. Um, but when I remember first watching this movie as a 12-year-old, just thinking like, okay, get some of the songs. And I really still wasn't too sure what to think of it. But then the song Anatevka came on. And this song is actually the name of the town that these characters live in. And so they're being forced out of their home, and they're starting to like try to make a good situation out of a bad one, you know, actually starting to say, like, why am I going to miss this place? It's a dump. You know, people go through here, and they haven't even known that they passed us. And at that moment, while these people are singing, Anna Tefka, my heart is crying out, Sun Valley. Sun Valley, California is where I grew up, and six months prior to this moment, um, my mom's company had relocated us to Phoenix, Arizona. So just like the song, well, actually, you probably never heard of Sun Valley. And I can tell you, my people have been there for three generations. And our claim to fame was in the movie Clueless. Who's seen that one? Okay, better, better. <laughs> uh, where the main character, Cher, gets mugged. And you can see our famous, our prize, we got a picture of it, our circus clown liquor, or <laughs> circus, yeah, circus liquor clown. Now, I know I just sold you on wanting to go visit Sun Valley, my hometown, but it was kind of the same thing. 
You know, there was nothing sweeter than those summer nights just being in my grandma's front porch and talking and laughing with the neighbors. And all of a sudden, now I found myself, just like the song says, a stranger in a strange place looking for a familiar face. I couldn't help it. The tears just came down my face, and I was sold. Throughout my life, I've related to different aspects of this movie. You know, I can, I hate to admit, but I probably have sung Matchmaker a few more times than I probably should have. But even this week alone, there's a popular song that you may have heard and has been redone, but it's called If I Were a Richman. You know, and he goes on and sings of all the things he would do if he would have money. And, you know, he even tells God, like, you know, if I had funds, then I could be in your house, be in your presence, study your word. That would be the sweetest thing. And then at the end of the song, he poses the question, God, would it ruin some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? And as he's there looking at God, the next step he takes is into horse manure. And I can tell you, that's been my week. Like, <laughs> But the last couple of years, there's been that clip that we just played for you from the beginning that has resonated with me so much. We see the two men with two different opposing views, and Tevier declares that he is right, and this guy is also right. And then another man says, you know what? They can't both be right. And in all of Tevier's wisdom, he says, you are also right. The person that I resonate the most with is the man challenging the thought that both of these guys could be right. And I think it's because for these last couple of years, both I and this man have been looking for a judge. You know, we are taught that there is right and wrong. So someone is either right or they're wrong. We have a winner and a loser in a situation here. And so when we get in these predicaments, you know, we are going to fight and spend so much time and energy justifying why we are right, because we're not going to lose this. And yet the Bible tells us, you can keep talking and justifying till you are right. But is the Lord convinced? So exactly, God, please tell the other person they're wrong so I can go about my business. Be the judge, God. Oh, just that and I could just what foolishness is that isn't it <laughs> did not know what I was really asking for when I'd say something like that but thank you thank you Jesus for standing in front of me standing in front of my foolishness and protecting me now I'm sure I'm probably not the only person in this room who's possibly had a disagreement with someone in the last couple of years Anybody? Yeah? Maybe you've had a disagreement with someone that you truly love and care for. And it almost feels like, and maybe it has, there has been a break in the relationship. And you're fighting hard, they're fighting hard, and then before you know it, you've just walked through a door that closed behind you. After the initial shock, you start to wonder, will this door open up again? Or will it just have silence from the other side? If I get close enough, maybe will I hear murmurs? Or really, will there just be a simple, pleasant acknowledgement through that window in the door? 
we tend to wonder how we got there. And I remember as I was processing my own situation, I remember telling a friend, you know what makes this unbelievably hard for me right now? Is that this other person that I'm in a disagreement with, we're both believers. We both call Jesus our Messiah. We believe the things he tells us. And how can we be on so different pages? This should be easier because we are believers. But I can tell you what, the only thing that we were believing was the other was wrong. So how do we move forward? Do we do as the Bible says and just shake the dust from our feet and move on? Do we reconcile? What would God have us do? So let's take a word, look at his word. Right here it says, since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. So you must forgive each other. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of our own body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Colossians 3.12 through 15, New Living Translation. This is what he would have us do. Simple enough, right? When we look at this, we can go through and it makes sense that, yes, he loves us. I can receive that. Okay, I have to clothe myself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility. But how many hours of the day do I have to wear this clothing? You know, to forgive someone else? I can, you know, but... Again, that may sound good in theory. You know, live in perfect harmony. You know, if they would agree, I would agree. But the real answer comes here in verse 15, when it says, and let the peace that come from Christ rule in your hearts. The rest of this section is impossible if you skip this one step. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart. How can we do this? The difficult thing is when we are in the middle of a mess, whatever it may be, disagreement, life, we're just surrounded by it. And the only thing that fills that space is our emotions, our responses, and that's all we can see. So honestly, the last person we actually want to go to is God. But he's the best person to go to. And I know some of you may have said, like, I've tried that, nothing happened, no response. But the trick is to do what Job did. After he laid out his grievances, there was an opportunity for God to respond. So go, wave your fist, cry, tell him everything. But let him respond. Sit in his presence. Allow his spirit to fall on you. That's where things begin to change. That's where all of a sudden you see everything he's done for you. And then over here, you begin to see everything he saved you from. So how could you not trust him with what's going on right here? And by sitting in his presence, you feel all that, and then all of a sudden, 
The spirit rises up in you and you become like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and saying, you know, I know my God will deliver me from this situation. I know he will. But even if it doesn't happen the way I think it would play out, there's still no one I'd rather serve. Now after, that's a big step, so you may spend a lot of time there. But if we can get through there, after you have the peace that only comes from Christ, the next step is to realize you can only control yourself. You can't make the other person respond, act, or speak as you would like them to, because if we could, we wouldn't have had this falling out, right? Evaluate your role in the situation. Ask the Lord to reveal those things of you. Take ownership. Have the Holy Spirit guide you in how to move forward from there. Because for everyone, it's going to be different. I know there's times where I've had to go up to people and say, we need to talk. I need to tell you I'm sorry because I've been secretly offended by you for a long time. I know you didn't notice, but I have to tell you I'm sorry. Those are not easy conversations. <laughs> but then there's been other times where he's had me do different things. Lastly, I would say, Examine your communication. The reason being is because what you are saying may not be what the other person is hearing. Now, this week, I've had this happen twice to me about totally, completely different situations. And the second time about me not being able to communicate correctly with this person, I was like, what are the words that are coming out of my mouth? Like, you know, and, and I'm like, maybe it's because I live alone, so... I'm not constantly communicating with other people, but I'm not trying to brag. 90% of the time, I can understand me, you know, but maybe I, the other person I audibly talk to the most is my dog, but that's simple communication. Sit, stay, up, you know, like, so just examine where you're at, because I'm sure we've all been in places like that where whatever we're trying to convey is not being received. Because the realization is we don't just hear with our ears. We hear with our emotions and our past experiences. Now, I could go ahead and allow the worship team to mosey up on here. You guys, if we start doing these things, it would change our lives. Because no longer would we spend so much time and energy, and it becomes wasted time and energy, on all these situations. And I can personally tell you, living with a spirit of offense, it holds you back. It stops you from enjoying life. And I felt it prohibit my relationship with God. Now to paint a picture, I was taken down with the short dagger and I didn't see it coming. And me and this person, we agreed, we loved each other, we cared about each other, but we couldn't move forward. And we did things biblically. I approached them, they approached me. And then we even got a third person involved. And still, there was no resolution. And it's like, it must be because there's no judge. There's no one declaring, saying that you're right and you're wrong. And it's like, I don't even care if I'm the wrong person. Like, just tell me so I can move forward. And there's been nothing. And so it's, I put this aside because it was just too painful. And, but I could feel it stalling me in life. 
Last month, I was invited to a women's conference that I did not want to go to for many reasons, nothing against them personally. I just had something going on. But I went, and God knew I needed to be there. One of the speakers, she was talking and she was saying, she was encouraging us to seek the face of God. So I got on my knees and I said, God, I've come to you with this over and over. It's been years now. And I'm so ashamed of it because I don't know. I don't know how to make this better. I don't know what to do. And even just running out of words, I just laid it there. The spirit came upon me. And I can tell you when I left that place, I was so much lighter because he had it in his hands. And don't get me wrong, the enemy's going to try to encourage you to pick that back up. But I knew. I know that my God knows the desires of my heart. I know he has the best plan for me. So there's no other place to leave it than with him. And so I asked God, give me direction on what to do. And his direction for this particular situation was do nothing and continue to be the person I created you to be. Now, two weeks later, I got a phone call from this person and they're telling me that they're thinking of coming to visit me. And when we were on fantastic terms, I couldn't convince them to save my life to come and see me. You know, so that's the miracle. What's gonna happen? What's gonna, what's it gonna be like? It's gonna be weird, this or that or the other. I don't know, but God does. I'm gonna trust that he's gonna take care of that situation. Now we have our worship team up here, but before they begin singing that last song, I don't know if anything I've said has resonated with anyone, maybe brought something to mind, a person or a situation, but don't ignore it. As we sing this last song, begin to hand over the situation to the Lord. In Luke 13, Jesus is talking to the people and he's calling out, to Jerusalem, 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 he's saying. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. In other words, don't resist what he's trying to do right now. Allow his presence to come over you. Guys, we have this area up here. It's open, it's always open. But come spend some time with the Lord. Soak him in, soak in his presence. If you'd like prayer, we have our prayer team with you. They will come and agree with you. And all I can say is begin to allow the peace that only comes from Christ to rule in your heart.